Moving Iron Podcast is proud to be part of the Global Ag Network. The network is live, so check out globalagnetwork.com for more details and updates. Now on to the show. Moving Iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving Iron time and time again. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Market Rundown with Chip Nellinger. Chip, uh, this is a Monday instead of a Sunday like normal, but uh, we still had some pretty active stuff happen in the market. Uh, it was pretty. I was glad to see market uh, corn figure up up there around that that four dollar and a penny mark. So that haven't seen it there for a little while. So. Talk to me a little bit about what's going on there, and, and how do you see the uh, kind of the markets heading into this big report on Friday? Yeah, we definitely had an increase in volatility. We kind of talked about that here for the last couple of months. We've we've gone nowhere in these markets for for several months, and uh, all of a sudden, you know, drop of a hat here, we've got some volatility back. So corn has had a nice bounce. Uh, working on twenty cents off the lows here in a couple of weeks. Uh, I think a couple things that work. Number one, we did have uh, China in for U.S. corn last week, 300,000 metric tons. Uh, it's the first time in, uh, uh, I think, uh, what, two, two and a half years uh, that they've uh, bought that much corn. And, uh, you know, the, the hope and expectation is that they're going to buy even more. Remember uh, a couple months back when they bought 10 million metric tons of, uh, of beans, um, it, it did, uh, you know, took them several chunks to, to do that. And so there's some hope that they're going to continue to buy corn. There's some ongoing talks right now in Beijing uh, on, um, you know, trade issues. So there's some uh, expectations that that's going to continue to progress us along uh, closer to a final agreement there. Uh, we got the weather that's starting to be an issue, particularly out your way. Uh, with massive flooding, um, you know, arguably uh, as bad, if not maybe a little bit worse than 1993. Um, uh, you, you know, so we got a lot of that in, on, in, on top of that in, in this whole framework. You've got the commodity funds, speculative commodity funds, have a record short position in corn of uh, approximately 260,000 contracts. So um, pretty good combination. We've talked about that. That's what you want to see. You want the funds loaded up on the short side. Um, you want some sort of spark or, or sparks to cause them, uh, cause the market to rally, for them to uh, trigger getting out of their positions. So to, to neutralize those positions, they have to buy back those short positions that create some buying. You're coming into the end of the month, um, end of a quarter. We hit the 50-day moving average today at the highs in the corn market. Uh, that's one of the main moving averages that the funds use. If we happen to be able to close above that, particularly for the week, that could spur some additional buying by the funds. Um, you know, you just here's how fast this thing can change. You look at the hog market, we're on contract lows. Um, all of a sudden, two, two and a half weeks go by. China's a big buyer of U.S. pork two weeks ago. One week ago, they followed up with uh, some more light purchases. Hog markets rallied uh, $25 straight up, one of the biggest rallies um, percentage-wise and price-wise um, ever, uh, probably one of the top three uh, biggest rallies in the hog market ever. Just goes to show you the power of, uh, number one, the funds, number two, 
China. Um, and then as far as the grains go, you know, we're speeding into the first of April here and, you know, all these weather issues that uh, the Western Corn Belt's having, flooding and more snow coming out your way, rain, just really cold temperatures, really season, unseasonably cold out our way. The sun, at least the sun's starting to shine, but uh, we're really struggling to get north of 60 and still down in the 20s at night, so the soil temperature is really um, not warming like it should be. And uh, we have rain this weekend, not a tremendous amount, but probably, uh, you know, upwards of a half of an inch. So uh, really slow start to spring. Things are set up. If we could have uh, a couple things line up, uh, which when they're starting to lean that way with a late start to spring, uh, flooding issues, China trade agreements, um, potential and the potential for more Chinese buying of U.S. corn and other products as well. You know, remember all along, it's kind of been leaked out in the press that um, a trade agreement would probably include U.S. DDGs and ethanol and uh, probably sorghum as well. So, you know, the market uh, may be set for some expansion and volatility to the upside. And that's something we haven't seen in a while. And uh, it really uh, will be a welcome Welcome site to, to farmers. There's a lot of old crop corn that's left out there that needs price. That will limit us a little bit on the rally, but you know, this thing with a snap of, uh, of your fingers could be an entirely different ball game um, because of the potential for this, these uh, you know, Chinese purchases of U.S. corn. There's been numbers talked about 3 million tons to 10 million tons. There's been a little bit of chatter that could be north of 10 million tons. Let's put it in perspective. 10 million metric tons of corn is, uh, what, 320, 30 million bushels. Um, when we're sitting here with a carryout of uh, a billion nine, that's a big chunk of corn right off the balance sheet, right off the carryout. So again, uh, if that comes to pass, Totally different ballgame than what we're looking at right now. Puts us in a position where we have to raise a big prop again. You mentioned the acreage report the, this Friday. We've got the acreage report coming out. It may not matter much. It, it may be more about what the two-week forecast is out your way and what the river situation is. Massive flooding. Um, but it's, it's my least favorite report of the year. End of March, uh, prospective planning report. You also have a quarterly stocks report thrown in there as well. So that can always be a big market mover in itself as a, as a quarterly stocks report. On top of that's the acreage report uh, and all this other issue uh, that we've got going on with weather in China. So it's been boring for a long time, and it, uh, it's not boring anymore in these markets. Yeah, <clears throat> a lot of things have happened, a lot of, a lot of moving parts here of late. I mean, there's just a lot of things happening with the funds in China and everything else like you just ran down. But... So talk, let's talk a little bit about the hog market. Hog market is one of those things that has gone a uh, kind of has had a little bit of a chance to kind of get a breather here and kind of rebound a little bit, especially with what we're hearing about in China. And they're taking some hogs, it sounds like. Um, talk about the hog market and where you see it headed. Yeah, well, there, it just goes to show you how quickly this thing can change, right? So uh, three weeks ago, we're on contract lows. China comes in, buys a large amount of U.S. pork two weeks ago. The market just uh, shoots higher, 25 bucks higher. A couple days where we had uh, we closed the limit up, 
and then expanded limit up, which is four and a half dollars in hogs. Um, so we've had just massive volatility. We've had ranges, daily ranges that have been six plus dollars low to high. So um, today was a pretty wild day. You know, at one point we were up a buck and a half. We were lower, uh, made a couple round trips and uh, closed uh, the back months a little bit lower. So we've got these uh, deferreds up over a hundred bucks. It's only happened, um, I think, twice in history, but don't quote me on that. Certainly, uh, we're in rare air here. And um, nobody knows where we're going to go. How much more pork is, is China going to purchase? You know, they're buying this pork uh, ahead of any uh, agreement. So once an agreement comes, we know they've got their issues with, um, you know, uh, Asian swine flu, or swine flu, I should say. Um, that's ongoing. It's decimated their hog herd. They need pork in a bad way. They're buying it from us. How much more do they have to buy? It's kind of an unknown. Now, we're not going to go straight up. This market's going to get gut-wrenching. And when you see this kind of volatility, you're going to, you know, you're going to see days and, and strings of days where you think the market's just over, it's dead, it's done. Uh, we can break $10, $15 in hogs real easily over the course of four or five days and still not have seen the highs yet. Two weeks later, you could be in a new highs way over 100. So where it stops is impossible to say how much more pork is China going to buy. Impossible to say. Um, but it just goes to show you what we harp on all the time. you got to have a plan. you got to know what your numbers are. you got to know um, what you're willing to accept as far as profitability. Um, and there's tools out there with option strategies that... Uh, um, you know, if structured correctly, can let you have your cake and eat it too. Meaning you can protect the, the downside, but still leave the top side open. Um, you just have to know what tools are available and have a plan to implement that and not get handcuffed by this volatility. I don't think the high is probably in, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't be doing something um, to protect some risk in here. You know, with summer month hogs um, over hundred dollars. It just doesn't happen very often. And that doesn't mean they can't go to 120 or 130, but, um, you know, you have to at some point say enough's enough and, uh, we're back to wild profitability. Let's, uh, let's lock some of that in because it's been a while for the, the hog producer. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> the other part of the, of the livestock part you know you start looking at at cattle and in, in the not just necessarily the flooding that we that we see a lot on on the news and, and, and the stuff that's going on there and that that is that is very bad but it's just been a long winter for cattle producers especially you know the feedlot guys you know you're looking at rate of gain and, and just sloppy nasty cold conditions that are just have been hard you know it's been a tough a tough winter for that so um the cattle market's just been kind of gotten beat up here a little bit. So what do you see happening there, and where do you see that headed? Yeah, again, just like we talked in, in the hogs, right, cattle have uh, had a lot of bullish news built in with the, the feeding conditions and blizzards and floods and, and you name it. Uh, it's been a really rough winter, probably uh, one of the hardest winters ever for uh, feedlot operators. So where does it stop? We had a cattle on feed report last Friday. It was a little bit negative. Uh, the numbers were higher, especially a couple categories. Uh, the, uh, the placements and on feed were both higher than expected. And uh, we got hit pretty hard today. We're down about two bucks in the cattle. Um, funds were sitting right at uh, just shy of a record long position. 
and this market won't go up forever. So just like we talked in the hogs, right? You got to have a plan. Um, you know, even though it's been a, a hard winter and start to spring and, you know, focus is elsewhere. It's got to be on the markets as well. And so eventually these markets have the most bullish news factored in. Um, this could be the start of a deeper break. I think tomorrow is going to be very important to see if we can bounce back a little bit. If we don't um, and we can, um, would happen to violate uh, 120 in the June contract to the downside, that could open the floodgates up for some uh, pretty heavy fund liquidation. Uh, and again, it doesn't mean that we didn't see the top yet, but you could have a $8, $10 break off the highs and, and still not have seen the highs yet because the feeding conditions, the, the, the rate gain, uh, the rate of gain out there, um, you know, cost of, uh, cost of gain is going through the roof. Uh, so we're going to have these issues for a while with lighter carcass weights and, and just getting cattle out. And some, you know, some of the roads in uh, eastern Nebraska and, uh, and in other areas, South Dakota, they're gone. I mean, uh, you know, I heard the story today of, you know, feedlot, uh, the, the truck driver for the, for the feed truck, literally it's, um, you know, he's got to travel four miles to get, or 40 miles to get uh, just a couple miles down the road to feed the cattle because the roads are gone. And uh, so it's abysmal conditions out there. But uh, it doesn't mean that we haven't, at least temporarily, I've seen the top of the cattle market. So again, not to you know beat uh, beat on the drum here, but gotta have a plan with where you're at and uh, be ready to execute. We've had some really good levels out there, and I think a lot of uh, feedlot guys have uh, have some some hedges and protection in place. But um, you know the way these funds operate, they decide it's over. We've had a nice run. Let's put our money to work somewhere else. Drop the bottom out of cattle market to 10, 12 bucks, um, you know, in a matter of days. So, got to have a plan and you got to execute it um, when you hit your levels. Yep. So, the report that comes out Friday, do you feel like there's going to be any kind of uh, big flip anywhere in there from, from corn to soybeans from what, what was maybe anticipated? Well, um, price wise, you mean? Yeah. I mean, and just, just as, as far as perspective, planted acres and those kind of things, I mean, yeah, you know, I, I, that's why I hate the, the acreage report. So they do a survey of farmers as of uh, the 1st of March. Well, you know, lots change since the 1st of March. So right. um, I, this year, especially, I think it's going to be more about weather than Western Corn Belt. Uh, there's a stocks report there. So the acreage report itself is very volatile and, and often, uh, you know, missed by the average estimates. And quarterly stocks reports are the same way. They're very volatile in nature and hard to uh, predict ahead of time. Um, you throw that together with large fund positions on the short side, the end of a month, end of a quarter coming, um, and, and uh, you know the funds oftentimes get paid incentive fees uh, either at the end of a month and or quarter. And you know it's on closed trades usually. So if you have an open trade, if you're short corn for, for the last 50 cents with 50 cents of profit, and you're a fund manager, you're not getting paid on that until you take your profit. So that alone, the combination of weather, quarterly stocks, planted acreage, um, China, and the funds being record short can really mean um, a lot of volatility in here. So it's uh, we could really see a, a 
rapid expansion uh, of volatility, both up and down, right? There's just going to be bigger swings than what we've been used to for the last six months. And uh, that's good, though. It's good, but you got to be prepared for it and uh, know what you're going to do on big price breaks, know what you're going to do on big price rallies, because you can see both. And both give you opportunities to do different things and position yourself in the markets. Yep. With all the stuff that we've talked about so far, I mean, do you, do you feel like you could see upwards of, of 450 corn by, by harvest this year if everything continues and we get a deal with China and, and some stuff falls into place? Yeah, I think that's possible. Um, I really do. Um, you know, it, it depends on a lot of those things we talked about, uh, the weather and, and China in particular. But uh, absolutely, I, I think that uh, right now at this stage of the game, you can't rule out the, the possibility that we could see $4.5 new crop corn futures um, at some point in time. If there's ever a threat of China, if we do get a deal and China starts buying corn in large amounts and there's ever a threat to um, the market perceives a threat of lower than trend line yields, um, you know, you couldn't rule out 475 or $5. I, I wouldn't hang my hat on that. And, and build a marketing plan around, we're not going to do anything until we get $5. But uh, you can see plenty of volatility, plenty of upside in this market. Um, probably corn is the most friendly longer term. If we do continue to stay on the wet side and these acres can't get planted at corn, uh, that means likely more bean acres. We've already got too many beans in the world and big ending stocks here. So um, if the weather stays wet and cold, clear on into to May and the flooding situation doesn't um, you know, let up, we could maybe, um, you know, argue that you're going to plant uh, more bean acres than we need, and that could cap beans a little bit. I think if there is a China deal, um, beans will rally. I think they could rally 30 to 50 cents just on the announcement of a China deal. Does that hold? Um, I, I, I doubt it. So, you know, we're just six months away at any point in time from a big crop, whether that's the southern hemisphere or the northern hemisphere. So that's part of the problem with the bean market. Um, wheat, you know, could get really dicey for spring wheat planting uh, if it stays wet and flooded, uh, particularly up north. So uh, wheat could have a little bit of upside here, maybe led by spring wheat. And uh, I don't know, it's getting exciting. Finally, we've uh, spent a dreary uh, six or seven months in the grain markets um, and the hog market for that matter. And uh, I think we're starting to uh, change the tone of the market a little bit with, uh, with the season here. So hopefully we're coming into a new season where we get some upside, at least some expansion volatility. So producers get a, an opportunity to see profitable levels and, and a chance to, to lock some of that in. It's been a pretty depressing uh, winter for sure. Yep, it has been. It definitely has been that. So Chip, if folks want to reach out to you and talk about a plan or work on a plan that maybe maybe uh, point in some right directions, how would I do that? Yeah, that's way just call our office, 309-550-7213. Love to chat with you. Uh, pretty critical time here. So uh, feel free to give us a call. No obligation, um, you know, no pressure. We'd love to, to chat with you uh, before it gets uh, too busy at spring here. And uh, these markets, I uh, feel like, are about to get really interesting and really volatile. So it's... Uh, Higher prices don't always mean it's easier to market, right? Uh, it's, it's still uh, emotional, and it's uh, really hard to pull the trigger. So uh, we'd be happy to chat with you. Yep. 
Absolutely, Chip. All right, Chip. Wait. Well, I appreciate you uh, working with me here and coming on Monday, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you again on Sunday, buddy. You bet. You have a great week. Thanks, All right. Casey. We'll see you. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast, now part of the Global Ag Network. If you'd like to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. You can also send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at movingironpodcast.com. You can also visit the Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel and watch Market Roundup with Chip Nellinger, Sean Hackett, and Angie Setzer. Also, Tax News with Glenn Birnbaum. Please visit movingironllc.com. Here you can find information, details, and updates for the 2019 Moving Iron Summit in Nashville, Tennessee. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can leave a review and subscribe at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, and GlobalAgNetwork.com. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour, out. See